Hello, this is Angela Schaefers, the host of Your Story Matters radio show. Today we have special guest, Tambray Lane. She's a coach for cancer survivors and caregivers and has an amazing story to share of her own. Hi, Tambray. Welcome to the show. Hi, Angela. Thanks so much for having me on. It's a pleasure. I'm very interested in all that you're doing. I know that you've helped a lot of people and are really sharing a lot of great information can you tell the listeners before we talk about your coaching and the things that you've written about some of your past story and history that kind of led up to where you're at today? Absolutely. I'd be happy to share that because, as you know, our stories are so much of, of us and mm-hmm. they usually bring us to the point where we are in our lives. And as a writer, one of the things that I love about story is knowing that we have the option to rewrite it or to change it as we go from chapter to chapter. Exactly. And yeah, and that's exact. That's that's what I really had to do um, because personally, I you know I was living a fairy tale life. To be honest, I was living in Hollywood, uh, working in the film industry, married to a wonderful man who also worked in the film industry, um, and we just had an incredible marriage, an incredible connection. He was truly a soulmate for me. And everything was going great. We were planning a remodel on our house. We were planning to start a family. And right at that moment in life, he was diagnosed with Hodgkin's disease. Oh, wow. And, yeah, it was a, it's mm. true, it was a huge, huge curveball. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we both led very healthy lifestyles. And so it was a shock. Um, luckily, our professional training helped us to really put a plan in place quickly. I'm a great researcher. And so I basically took over head caregiver, uh, master of, you know, coordinating all the information and and the data um, and his appointments and really became his advocate um, and then ultimately his healer uh, in a a certain regard when I took on learning healing arts modalities like reflexology and Reiki Mm -hmm. to try to support him dealing with some of the side effects. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Unfortunately, after three years of fighting the cancer, he passed from it. Oh, I'm and sorry. Thank you. Thank you. It was, it was, it was a major loss. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I, I still miss him. It's been 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and where I found myself, uh, after that was in a place of really not understanding what the purpose of my life was anymore mm-hmm. and not really having any desire to, to go on, mm-hmm. um, and not really understanding, what it would look like, how to how to build a life without him. Right, that makes um, a lot of sense. I mean, I think that's very typical of going through the grief process is that everything has changed and you're wondering what's left now, what do you do at this point? Because as you said, everything you were doing had shifted and then you went through that whole period of dealing with his illness, which I'm sure was extremely challenging and heart-wrenching for you. Yes, it's very difficult. You, I've read your story on, on your website, and um, and obviously you've gone through the process of being on the other side of that equation of being mm-hmm. a person diagnosed with cancer, mm-hmm. and it does. It's got a huge ripple effect in our lives. Yes. And so our primary caregivers, our family, our friends, our work communities, it's felt very deeply on a lot of levels, mm-hmm. and. So it absolutely has this massive impact. Mm-hmm. And then when the outcome was what it was, I truly was left with a completely blank slate. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think 
there was a moment, and it's interesting because I'd like to hear, you know, what, what it was like for you. Because, again, I, I read there was a moment for you where you woke up, at, you know, in the, going through the process of your diagnosis and decided that cancer, the cancer diagnosis was not going to determine your life and your outcome. Right, exactly. You know, the point at which you decided to rewrite the next chapter for yourself. And the same thing happened to me. I reached a point of, I believe, being in so much internal conflict between the life I was living, which was being stuck in grief, mm-hmm. and my higher core values, which really my commitment has always been is to make a difference in the world. Right. Mm-hmm. So when those got twisted up against each other so hard, I just reached that point where it was no longer acceptable to waste my time in right. grief. Mm-hmm. And, and the grieving process is different for everybody, and it takes as long as it takes. That's right. However... I feel I had done the emotional grieving that I needed to do. And what I'm talking about is that point where you're just kind of stuck in mud about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. It feels like you're drowning and you just yeah. can't even grasp onto the edge to pull yourself out of the pit, so to speak. And before you go on, I, I really appreciate all that you're sharing and your honesty and your humbleness in this. Share with the listeners something from your childhood and your past, because like you said, you know at your core that you're driven to have a purposeful and meaningful life to help other people. And that's something that we like to share on your Story Matters radio show is that really it's it's from our core, which is from our childhood, from our past, from the things we've experienced, our story, that creates that drive and that desire. What was it that you would say based on your past, whether it was something in your family life or something you experienced really in, created that passion and desire within you? I believe for me that it was my parents. Both my parents are, well, my, my mother passed when I was 17, my father's still living. Both of them lived in that realm of caring for others. My mother was an incredible caregiver, an incredible mother. Um, she had her priorities in the right place. And she invested so much time, energy, and resources in raising myself and my sister. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just had that safe space always there supporting me. Mm-hmm. And I knew what it felt like to be well cared for. Mm. Um, Powerful. And it, yeah. So I, I had that. And then what happened in our family was that at one point, my mother became addicted to prescription drugs. Mm. Um, and I actually write about this in the essay, The Other Side of Pink, in the anthology that um, was just published on Amazon.com. And it was that experience of being 14 and going from that moment of having this incredible mother who was such a contribution to her being in such a place of needing such care. And so I became her caregiver for three years until her death. Mm. And that experience of seeing how much pain she was in from the process of, you know, addiction, how hard she was trying to resolve it Mm -hmm. um, and how much support she needed, I really connected with whatever little I could do to make a difference in that Mm -hmm. helped me feel like I was at least empowered in the situation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I think it was learning that you can, as a caregiver, be empowered. Yes. Um, The later life lessons (laughs) were that we also need to balance that as caregivers. Right, right. That's very true. And thank you so much for sharing because that definitely adds to the depth of your story. And I do want to ask you before we go on, 
what was the difference for you? Because I have people talk to me about this and ask me how to deal with this grief that comes unexpectedly often. Was there a difference in the grieving process and how you handled it in your mother dying versus your husband? I would say the experience with my mother was extremely shocking and traumatic because it was my first up-close personal look at mortality. It, it was that moment of recognizing that we don't have forever. So that was, that was a bit, and, and I, I disconnected on a, um, a spiritual level. I didn't understand if there was a spiritual entity out there, why would that entity take a mother from her daughters? Right. So there was, there was definitely a spiritual disconnect that happened in the grieving process. Uh, and it took years for me to get back in connection with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was, uh, you know, the loss of your mother, especially at a time when you were working so hard to find your own place in the world as a young woman, is extremely impactful. It took me quite a while to get to really understand the gifts that she gave me because there were, there were times when she was going through her, her addiction and after she passed that I was angry with mm-hmm. her for the choice, choices that I felt she'd made. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted, I wanted nothing to do with that. To me, I, felt, I, I saw a lot of weakness. Mm-hmm. And so my grieving process was really about coming into a place of understanding truly the gifts that she gave me, the compassion, mm-hmm. the ability to, to care for others. Uh, you know, there were so many wonderful pieces wrapped up in there that I was able to unwrap as I went through that grieving process. When I lost my husband, it was very different because I lost my entire future. Right. That makes sense. And I think it sounds like with your mother, you had to deal with a lot of forgiveness issues. Correct. Yes. And that's powerful because I think in many situations, whether it was something like your situation or not, people often carry on the burden of not being able to forgive, whether it's the things that actually happen or just the person dying. So that is very, very powerful for you to be able to work through that and be able to share what you learned from that, that there were, in fact, good things that she instilled in you. Obviously, she's helped create you to be the woman that you are today and to do so much for others. Absolutely. She, you know, she and my father both contributed those kind of the important elements in life. Uh, learning to go for the extraordinary moments and mm-hmm. to prioritize that it is more experiences and not things that give meaning to our lives and to spend time doing the things that we love to do and pursuing passions. So all of that came from my, my family upbringing and, and understanding the legacy that your parents have, have given you, pulling from whatever your experience is, if you're able to find that legacy that can that can fuel what comes next for you, for sure. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. And that includes the good and the bad, by the way. <laughs> for those listeners that feel like they could never pull anything from a negative experience, I think that there's some things that they maybe can reflect on that would indeed help them. Absolutely. Because the, the reality is, is that there are many people who have been in my situation with a parent dealing with uh, addiction who have gone that route themselves, who have become addicts. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, if you're someone who has taken a, a situation that's very complicated and difficult and challenging like addiction and you've been able to learn the lesson of how to manage your life so that you don't fall into, you know, that challenge, that's a great gift. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, learn, it's learning the not what to do 
sometimes. Absolutely, absolutely. But those are growth lessons as well. That's true, that's true. And I think that's a good thing to point out, Tambray, is that all of this is a growing process. It's not that we can just wake up one day and everything falls into place and we've learned from it and healed from it. And so I love some of the things that I've read at your website and some of the things that you've written about the process. And I think that's really critical for people to understand is that we can talk about all these things right here, right now, but everyone has their own process and their own timing to deal with their situation. So can you share with the listeners some of the things that you help people to learn and go through and experience for their own process when they coach with you? Sure. At the time that people come to me, they've usually reached that point that you and I both experienced, which is what's going on in my life is the way I'm approaching it is no longer acceptable. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I have these circumstances I can't necessarily change these circumstances. Right. I was, you know, widowed in the middle of my life. You were diagnosed with cancer. You had treatments you were going through and side effects and symptoms you were dealing with. That's the what is. It, it just, that's, it is what it is. And most people approach me asking for coaching and support at the point where it, they're no longer willing to accept being stuck in a place of feeling bad about the situation, um, feeling low energy, mm-hmm. and you know, just just feeling really stuck. Mm-hmm. And one of the one of the things that is really important to do is to uncover the blocks that are holding you there, mm-hmm. because there's there's something that keeps people stuck in like well, where we usually go is survival mode, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we're in surviving. We're figuring out how to make it all work somehow, and yet we're disconnected from having a meaningful life, from maybe from joy um, and maybe from others. And so really the next step is, well, what's stopping you? What's holding you in the survival pattern? Mm-hmm. And that was key in my recovery and in getting my life back. I had looked at the question for quite a long time. And underlying that, there was also a sense that not only was I holding myself stuck in the grieving process at this point in my life, that somehow I had also held my back, myself back from being the absolute greatest potential that I knew that I had. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was right around the time that I chose to become trained as a coach. And as part of the process of the school that I was trained in, which is IPEC, the Institute for Professional Excellence in Coaching, we do an assessment process. Um, and uh, I, I talk about it as the I-Thrive assessment, and it really is a process, a 20-minute online assessment that changed my life, and what it did was it showed me uh, the patterns I was running and where I was stuck and holding myself back, and it also showed me the areas of my strengths. It showed that I had a lot of compassion. It showed I had a lot of capability for accessing joy, mm-hmm. and so when I saw that, and I, and I could recognize the patterns, then I can make some different decisions. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I like that a lot. And I think that a lot of what you're sharing is similar to what many people go through when they're dealing with grief, especially that sort of grief. I can relate to that. I'm not sure if you saw this in my story, but my first husband actually passed away when we were 27. And it was similar to just feeling like that's it. There was no point of going on in life. That was what was in my mind. But, of course, I had a young daughter, and I had my whole life ahead of me. And I think for me, and I've heard other people say this, 
part of me not wanting to go on, not wanting to feel happy again or be joyful was that I actually felt guilty. I felt like I'm here and he's not. He doesn't get to experience the joy of life, the you know beauty and joy of being a parent. And so I wonder if you help people deal with those types of feelings of just feeling impacted by that guilt and that why should I go on when this person that I really love is gone? Absolutely. I can so relate to you talking about that uh, consideration that comes up and that survivor's guilt, uh, really. And that was a piece of the blockage that was mm-hmm. in my way, which is what does it mean if I go on and have a full life without Gary? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, does that mean I loved him less? Does it mean that the future that we had didn't mean as much, um, or the past that we did have together, does it lessen the meaning and the value of that? Right. So it's definitely an area that we work around, and it's a, it is a, a fairly simple approach of re, reframing it. And that's right. Honestly, that that flipping switch moment of me being stuck where I was and finally deciding that I needed to do something different was actually I feel inspired by my relationship with Gary because he would have. What, the thought that actually came to me was, if Gary had one more day, one more week, or one more month, mm-hmm. how would he have been spending it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good point. I love that. And who am I to waste the precious time that I have been gifted? Mm-hmm. And how much would he have wanted me to make something meaningful? Mm. And that really, by choosing to go on and having a meaningful life, I'm honoring his memory. That's right. Especially with the work that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. But in any life that people create after, you know, after loss, or even, you know, cancer survivors and caregivers who go through that experience and feel like, um, you know, things have been lost because they are when you go through, uh, you know, chronic illness like that, then, you know, going ahead and redesigning and recreating a, an inspired life is, is truly honoring to the process that mm-hmm. you've gone through. Mm-hmm. That's right. It really helps to make meaning out of every experience you've had, whether good or bad, and I think that's so powerful. That's what I enjoyed most about reading the things that you've written and looking over your website is that, you know, we have a choice. We can. It's all about perception. We can look at it and say, you know what, we have this horrible disease or disorder or disability, and life is horrible, or we can say, this is what we're faced with, this is what we're going to do with that, and as you said, find our purpose and then live that out. And I really love to hear stories like yours when you've taken your pain and your grief and turned it around to live your life purpose. And I'd love for you to share with the listeners, what, how was it that you knew that this was really right for you? Because I know... You know, we can all talk about doing things that are good for other people and helpful, but what was it that really spoke to you loud and clear about coaching and helping people specifically who are survivors and caregivers? Initially, it was what others saw in me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was in a, a writing class writing my memoir, and uh, which I'm a few chapters from finishing, which is great. Wonderful. I, yes, I'm, I'm excited about that. And a, and a fellow student shared with me that she felt that my book and telling my story would absolutely help other people, mm-hmm. but she had just uncovered this training school and coaching, and she felt it was a modality that would be a real fit for me. And it's funny, because that's also how I got introduced to my first career in film and television. Uh, I had a, a graduate student at my school 
who said to me, I know that you're working over here in the dance department as a degree, but I really think communication is more your thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I listen when the messages come in from outside sources, and it felt right for me, and so that's how I chose the actual uh, coaching modality as what I wanted to do next as my framework for helping others. Mm-hmm. How, how I got to choosing the cancer survivorship uh, and caregiver arena specifically was, I think, synchronicity. I was I was referred a client who was a seven-year brain cancer survivor. Mm-hmm. And she was extraordinary to work with. And in three weeks of coaching, the shifts that she experienced were so profound that I was left in a place of literally feeling like I have no right to withhold this process mm. from cancer survivors and caregivers. Mm. Mm-hmm. Because it has such a yeah, such a profound impact on their quality of life. Mm-hmm. And survivorship for the last 20 years has been so focused on extension of days mm-hmm. and months, which is critical. Um, however, along with that now, there is a call to action for quality of life and tools to help people navigate the new normal mm-hmm. and understand that uh, when you go through an experience like that, your priorities can change radically. Exactly. Your core, your core values, although they've been there probably since childhood, those can even either shift or become amplified. Mm-hmm. And then, like I said before, you're most likely living a lot of the elements of the life before the illness hits, and yet you've had this shift in awareness, um, a sense of, you know, what do I want to do now that I'm very clear that there is a ticking clock, which there is for all of us. It's just more pronounced when we start to deal with chronic medical situations. That's right. Now I'm in severe conflict with how I've been choosing to live my life up until now, mm-hmm. which, which creates an incredible amount of stress and really impacts people's physical energy levels, and that impacts their healing process. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times sleep disturbances, anxiety, and stress, so these are all the areas that I use the coaching modality to work on with people so that they can create priorities, make set boundaries, start to eliminate the things that don't serve them, and begin to build a life that is more in alignment with this new experience that they're having, having you know, gone through the process of diagnosis, treatment, and, and now moving into the new normal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love all that, and I do want to say that I think that no matter what your situation is, whether it's really true that you only have six months to live or you may have another five years to live, I think it's important to grasp what's happening right now and to not think of it as, okay, I only have six more months, but to think of it as I have six months to live my life, to do some of the things I want to do, and certainly to feel good within myself about the things that I've experienced and think about and go through. Would you agree? Absolutely. And timelines are variable. We have this experience of time of thinking we have, you know, until forever. Mm-hmm. And that's just, I think, a, a natural process. And the reality is, is that, you know, even right now, though, I'm blessed with good health, something else could happen. I could be driving down the highway tomorrow and somebody else could take a long turn into me. That's so right. So we, we act as if we will live into our 80s, 90s, and, and, and beyond, even when we're well. So it's, it's literally getting down to, and I work a lot with my clients on 
on legacy is not built the last day that you have here on earth. Legacy is not built by writing a check from your estate. Legacy is living every day with meaning and purpose. It's in alignment with who you are. Very true. I definitely agree with that. And I think that that in itself leaves behind a legacy because I think that when we're living each day with purpose, living out our purpose, we're touching lives. We're, you know, making things happen that weren't going to happen if we were stuck in our pain, our grief, our loss, whatever it is that we're dealing with. Well, yes. Imagine the number of lives that you've touched with the radio show and everything that you've done, you know, and and tapping into and, and allowing people to connect with the fact that your story does matter. Everybody's mm-hmm. story matters. Mm-hmm. Yes. Can you share with the listeners some of the things that you wrote about in your two anthologies? And I know that you have um, offered to donate one of them as a, a copy so that if listeners listen to your show and comment, it, they comment on it, they could win a copy of that. Um, the anthology is called Tarnished, True Tales of Innocence Lost. And the editors are Kara Bruce and Shauna Kenny, and it's a collection of stories available on Amazon.com. And it essentially is writers who are writing about the moment in childhood when the curtain between childhood and adulthood is pulled back, and we see for the first time that there are harsh realities that one lives when you step into the adult world. Mm-hmm. And so as I said earlier, my, mine is based around that moment of uh, coming to realize that my mother had a drug problem, a prescription drug problem, and then stepping into the role of being a significant caregiver for her, mm-hmm. uh, along, with, along with the support of my father, of course. So it, it's that, the telling of that story and uh, a remembering of, of her. Um, but that was really my coming of age. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're all those literal coming of age stories. And that's that I'm going to, yes, give you a copy to give out to uh, a listener. That would be great. So remember, if anyone goes to www.yourstorymatters.net and comments on Tambray's interview today, you will be entered to win a copy. And we will send that out to the winner and announce that at the website after we've got comments and listeners to come to the website. I know one of your quotes is, I write to remember and dance to forget. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about that? Yes. One of the things that I had to do for myself to move from that stuck place of grieving was to identify the things that really moved me and inspired me. And I went back into my childhood and said, what is it I love to do? Mm-hmm. And I, I love, always love to write and I love to dance. I was a professional figure skater for a while. So I tapped back into those things, and I started writing again, and I took up salsa lessons. Both of those things helped me to remember who I was, remember the things that I loved about living and feeling like I was alive, Mm -hmm. and design a process to move from my own place of just surviving back into thriving which is what I draw on with the I Thrive system that I've created to work with my clients. Because survival, you know, it is what it is. It gets us through, but it's not enough. Everybody deserves more. Mm-hmm. I love that. I think that's so critical. Do something that makes you happy, that brings you to your happy place, that feels good. And sometimes, as you said, we do forget what those things are. And even if it's from way back in our childhood, we have to remember that there are things that, bring us joy and that feel good and that just take away all the thoughts and pain and anguish and really just change us in the moment to remember that there's still good stuff going on. 
Absolutely. It's amazing how many tools we actually do have yes. and how, how many successful strategies we've created in our life. And really coaching is about helping you remember those. Mm-hmm. Because when you get stuck in the overwhelm and the confusion and the fear, then it's difficult to tap into that which you already know. And really coaching is a space that helps people get conscious about what they can bring from their past that has worked for them into the situation that they're facing right now so that they can engage and they can shift about how they're experiencing it. I love that. And I think that's important to remember. We've talked a lot about grief and about the actual process when someone dies, but it is critical to remember that we're also talking about talking to and about caregivers and people who are actually living with uh, life-threatening diseases so that they can remember, too, that there's you know a place that you can find within yourself to find some joy, to live the life you're meant to live. So it's not always about that end process. It's sometimes just about the during process. Absolutely. Tambra, thank you so much for sharing a part of your story. I know you offer a free consultation for a half hour, and you also have a special going on right now for $100 off your intro package. Can you share with our listeners your website and how they can connect with you and find out more information? It's Tambra, so it's T-A-Amazon Michael, B is in Bob, R is in Robert, B is in Edward. And my website is coachingbytambra.com. Plug in if it's easier, they can plug in cancersurvivorshipcoaching.com. Special that I'm offering right now is the i assessment package. It's normally priced at $179. It's a 20-minute online assessment. You heard me speak about it earlier, and it is the thing that changed my life. And I'm offering it to your listeners for $100 off at $79, and that includes a half-hour consultation where we go through the results and we show you the patterns and the places where there's room to break through and really create a different life for yourself. The I Thrive approach works for people, not just who are going through cancer you know, and, and caregivers, but for anybody who's facing a major life transition or just feels stuck. So it's, it's a great process that way. And that you would enter the code on my website. You go to what's my I Thrive Factor page, hit the heart for package number one and enter the code Thrive Now. Great. Thank you, Tambre. And I appreciate all that you've shared today with us. And I wish you the best in your endeavors and continued success in all that you're doing. And I look forward to learning about your book when it's ready and helping to share that with others. Thank you so much. And I so appreciate what you do as well. It really is a support to everybody else in the world who needs to know that their story matters. Thanks, Tambre.